and welcome to Passionful. I'm Millie Gutwin and I'm passionate about connecting with wicked people and finding stories that connect us all. Join me as I speak with people who love and are full of passion for what they do. G'day, earlier I got to chat with absolute legend Jesse Higgs. Join us as we talk about the music industry, party in the paddock and what a day in his life looks like. Hey Millie. Hey, how you going? Yeah, good, thank you. That's good. So let's jump straight into it, hey? Sure, let's do it. So firstly, congrats on Party in the Apocalypse. So introduce yourself for us and what you do. Uh, my name's Jesse Higgs. I'm the Artistic Director of Vibestown. Uh, have been since its inception. And um, yeah, we're really stoked with Party in the Apocalypse. Um, it was something for us, you know, everyone misses Party in the Paddock and uh, especially us. And we got the Basin concert done last year, which was great. That was unreal. Uh, but yeah, you enjoyed that? Were you there? Yeah, loved it. Awesome. Yeah, so for us, you know, like making sure that um, Tassie youth have something to do each summer is really important to us. And when we finished the paddock, we weren't really sure what we were going to do. But we really wanted to make sure that, you know, there were fun things for everyone. And, you know, Peter just seemed like the right thing. You know, we wanted to make an event that was kind of you know really in alignment with the times um hence the name uh we don't actually think it it is the apocalypse but you know it's kind of a play on words there and it is really like unprecedented times and totally who knows who knows you know what events will look like in the next 10 years but we want to make sure that we're you know working really hard to be on the forefront of that and also not promising people something that we can't deliver at the moment especially with you know, the obvious pandemic that we're in. Yeah, totally. So tell me, how did you get into the music industry and the whole Vibestown scene in the first place? Where did that journey begin for you? Yeah, so I started off as a humble musician. Um, I still am. I still play music, which is a massive passion of mine. I come from a family of musicians and, you know, it's something that I'll do till the day I die, you know, just like, my granddad and, and my parents as well, they're hardcore musos. And so for me, it all started at a really young age. I remember going to, you know, barbecues at my grandparents' house. Um, they would make this amazing moonshine and everybody would gather around and, and cook meat and drink moonshine and, and sing music. So I, I actually started playing a musical instrument at the age of three. Um, oh, I still wow. play the blues. The blues harmonica, which is um, a bit of a, uh, well, it was, it's kind of like my, my party trick, really. I pull it out every now and then and, and just start playing. And people are like, what, where did that come from? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I found one when I was three in a toy box. And um, yeah, so I've been yeah, actively playing music for a long time. And then obviously as well, that goes with putting gigs on. Um, I was in a band called Younger Dryas for about 10 years. That actually started for me in college. Um, yes, wait. Well, start, it started before then. Um, my best friend, Michael Townsend, and I started playing music. When we were like, you know, 10 years old, we were writing songs about chickens getting high on speed and high energy and just silly things, you know, as you do when you're a teenager. So, all the good stuff. You know, all the good stuff. And, you know, we did the rock challenge. I think we come second in the rock challenge. Yeah. We weren't, weren't quite the world-class cinema, but we, uh, we had a crack. Um, and yeah, we, we did really well and we actually stuck it out. And then 
our drummer got married. He was a he was a Christian and and got married early at the age of eighteen. And we're like, okay, man, that's your choice. We're going to keep playing music. And my brother Jade, who was in my family band, because my mum Sharon, um, she's a musician as well. She got nominated for a golden guitar back in the day, um, country music. And my dad played in her band. And me and Jade actually joined joined the family band, and we spent a lot of our early years touring around Australia and and going to studios yeah, and playing gigs at Tamworth and and I hated country music with a passion still don't like it very much <laughs> but I uh you know I did it for my parents and I never forget the first time I accidentally heard ACDC I was like yes rock and roll is real and uh that's another story but um yeah so it progressed from that playing music and being around gigs and being around festivals at a young age um and then it got to the point where the family band ended because my mum was pregnant with twins. Um, my beautiful sisters, Savannah and Jasmine, they now have a band as well. So as you can see, there's a continual scene yeah. in my family. Shout out to the Gold Dust Women. They're on the rise. You'll see them on a stage soon, I'm sure. But um, yeah, so then my band, Younger Dryas, took off and we, yeah, we played a bunch of gigs. You know, we met people like Kim Churchill and and Gumby from Boo Seeker and, and played gigs with Sticky Fingers and, and yeah, Kingswood yeah. and Stonefield. And, and I became friends with all those guys. And then I was actually backpacking um, in Europe at the time when the whole festival idea kind of really came to me. But I, it's pretty cliche, but um, I'm not sure how um, PC this, this podcast is, so apologies, yeah. but it was the first time I smoked hash and um, I was <laughs> hanging out with a German backpacker and my girlfriend at the time. And, and she was like, Hey, have you ever heard John Lennon? Imagine. And I was like, yeah, of course. It's a great song. She's like, no, have you ever listened to it? And I was like, yeah. She's like on hash. I'm like, no. So anyway, we smoked the hash and we listened to John Lennon imagine. And yeah, it was a, there was an epiphany that happened definitely of some sort. And I was like, imagine if all the people, you know, come together and did cool shit. And basically that was, um, I woke up the next day and I was like, I know so many cool people, you know, and music's been a massive part of my life. Uh, you know, and I love bringing people together and I love playing music. I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, and I love art and I love people that are enthusiastic about what they do. A bit like you, yeah. Millie, you know, the yeah. whole like follow your passion. Totally. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. And I sent out this Facebook message. I still have a copy of it. And I was like, hey, guys. Um, I reached out to all my favorite people. And I was like, hey, this is super random, but I think I want to start a festival. It's going to be a music and arts festival. Um, at that point in time, it didn't have a name, but it was going to be Burns Creek's Independent Music and Arts Festival. Yeah. And um, so I reached out to everyone. And I got some really great replies. People were like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm free. Like, when do you want to do it? Blah, blah, blah. And we started talking. Yeah, that's wild. So I come back from backpacking around and that would have been, I think that was probably like November, December. And then by February, I used the excuse of my 22nd birthday to hold the very first party in the paddock. And um, that all happened just down the road from my house. So it was Party in the Paddock, Burns Creek's Independent uh, Arts Music and Arts Festival. That's what yeah. it was first called. And, and the actual stage was made out of hay bales. Um, 
we had nothing on top of them. It was just hay bales, oh. which was dangerous. Silly idea because the band would be playing and then all of a sudden the lead singer would just shoot down in the middle of the hay bales. <laughs> it was just a part of the theatrics, you know. So, you know, there's probably like 250 people at that one and it was literally my birthday party. You know, we had a birthday party. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it was just what we did back then, you know, yeah. I guess... Um, you know, there was a great live music scene like there is today, but yeah. I think it all stems from that, you know, bringing whoever's doing whoever and, and especially that youth culture, like we need, we need things to do, you know, we need um, creative minds coming together and be like, hey, what if we do this? And then it just all kind of stems from that. And then, so yeah, fast forward, you know, I think it was nine years in the end, we almost maxed out at like nine and a half thousand people a little bit further down the road, there were still hay bales and, you know, we were still playing music. So it can all happen. You just really got to, you know, put yourself in that position. And honestly, there was probably 700 times I thought about quitting and, and, you know, there was times I was in a lot of debt, but thankfully, you know, the, the right people came along at the right time. And I have some pretty amazing business partners, um, Ryan Lim and Alec McClellan, two of my best friends. Um, and it's funny, you know, a lot of the people that were at the actual birthday party way back when, and were at the first official one, which was in 2013, quite a lot of the, the team are still together. Yeah. You know, awesome. um, whether it's Isaac, my, my other best friend and graphic designer and, and also Alec, I mentioned before, you know, he was the OG site manager and, and still is Vibestown site manager and, and now a director as well. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so awesome. So tell me, obviously you've got so much passion for this and it's a, like, it is your life. Tell me, what does a day in your life look like? Well, right now, as you can see, I'm, I'm sitting out the front of Mariah Island. Oh, down beautiful. On like the, the southeast coast and i'm taking a few days off um which is it's funny my my alias is is holiday so my my music like my band that i'm i'm currently in yeah um we're called holiday but it kind of started off as my own project and it was funny because my business partner was like you're holiday higgs you know you're always at work but you're always on holiday and that's kind of um yeah, that's, that's, that's my life. Um, so it doesn't really matter where I am or what I'm doing. The laptop's right beside me. I'm answering messages. I'm, I'm constantly doing that thing because I've really aligned, you know, what I'm really passionate about. It happens to be my day-to-day -day job. But, yeah, you know, after, after a lot of hard work, you know, we spent years bashing it out in offices together. And, and realistically, what that was, we were basically just forming trust between, uh, you know, the, the main management group of Vibestown. And now at this point in time, you know, like we have a Google Hangout chat and we constantly are throwing around ideas and, you know, we're meant to be having a meeting today, but I said, oh guys, I'm, I'm down the coast and I've got to do this podcast. So how about tomorrow? And they were like, yeah, sure. That's fine. That's so, <laughs> I love that. So it's, you know, it's, it's that thing, you know, you've got to work hard, obviously, to get to a point where you can manage that kind of flexibility. And then it's a bit more maintenance, I guess. So, you know, for us, we're super lucky and we, we don't take it for granted. But 
you know, I've managed to work on, you know, I remember one year in 2016, I launched Party in the Paddock from Africa. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some, there's been some crazy offices. I've definitely um, done some interesting work in interesting places. So my day to day is varied, um, yeah, but I, I try and like exercise is, is a, a massive key um, to my mental health and also to just kind of keeping me on track, you know, so I, I will start the day with a good breakfast. I have a routine of stretches that I always do. And, you know, I dabble with breath work as well. I find that that's a really awesome life hack. It really kind of gets me centered. And I dabble on and off co coffee. Coffee is a little bit of a, a dangerous thing. You'll see me having a sip of one at the moment. But, um, yeah, I think caffeine um, is basically just, you know, it's, it's just a drug that's been okayed by society to... <laughs> to get people doing lots of things, you know, it definitely activates you. So I'm, I'm already activated. I don't need too much coffee, but. Um, I'm a bit the same. Yeah, I, if I have a coffee before <laughs> work, I rock up and they're like, oh shit, Millie's had a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, um, it's, I've only really learned in the last 12 months because my partner, Meg, she, um, she ran cafes and different things and I'd order a coffee and then I would drink it. And I'd be so jacked. I'd literally feel like I could do a backflip off the chair I was sitting in. <laughs> and she was like, how much coffee have you had? I'm like, just, just normal. She's like, you don't like standard is a double shot. Like you're getting, you're getting two shots. Just ask for a week. And I'm like, okay. Okay. So it's, it's taking a while to realize that I thought I was just having a shot of coffee, but I was actually having two most of the time. And and it was, yeah, definitely sending me haywire. Yeah, that's funny. See, I get the shakes and then my, I just, I don't know, my feet just move. If I have a coffee, my feet just keep moving. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Look like bloody happy yeah. feet or something, but no, I know what you mean. <laughs> but yeah. no, that is absolutely wild. So you kind of got into it a little second ago, but tell me mm -hmm. about your band. Tell me how that started and tell us about you guys. Yeah, sure. Well, um, it's, it's challenging, you know, because like obviously I was a musician beforehand and then I accidentally made this festival and the festival took off. And for a lot of years we played at the festival because a lot of the guys will pay, basically all my band helped form the festival. Um, it's a bit like how Chase City at the moment, if for those guys out there know who Chase City are, how those guys formed the great escape and they're playing and they're doing the thing. So simultaneously, you know, our band younger Dryas would play, at a lot of the party in the paddocks and it was just kind of expected, you know, so, but it got to the point where we were booking these Goliath bands, you know, whether it was gang of youths or Lily Allen or, you know, Tash Sultana and, yeah. and we used to pretty much be one of the headliners. And then all of a sudden we were just like, you know, so for me, it kind of, um, I needed a break from music anyway, but I I've had um, prior to this recent, formality of the band that I'm in I had about a two to three year break so and that was that was weird because I'd never had a break, break from music and I even thought about giving it up and I think I got quite um wrapped up in in the scene and triple j and and you know like I was like oh I'm not my band's not good enough or you know our music isn't gonna meet this criteria or I was I got so in my head about it all and it actually took um I went for a bit of a, a pilgrimage in 2016. It was kind of like a quarter life crisis. Um, 
my dad, who's he's a loose unit. He's an amazing guy. Um, very, uh, very unique and has his own ideologies and, and is somebody that, yeah, he's really embodied that his life is like a holiday as well. He's, he just does whatever he wants, finds ways, interesting ways to make money. And, but he's, he's actually recently just become a sci-fi novelist. So he writes, uh, he writes sci-fi books now. <laughs> nice. And, um, amidst also like, he's also a songwriter and he, his songs get published and, and sent to other artists and they record them. And so anyway, unique, unique dude. And, and he kind of come at me and said, Jess, mate, you're, you're very stressed out at the moment. And, and to be honest with you, most of your friends think you're a bit of a douchebag at the moment. Like you're way too serious. Like you need to sort yourself out. He's like, what if we go on a holiday? What if, you know, and he just started planting this seed. He was like, you know, catch a cruise ship to Hawaii and then and then we'll fly to to Hawaii well from Hawaii we'll fly to America and and we'll do this like big massive trip across the states and who knows maybe we'll play some gigs you know just kind of like really baited me back into the whole music thing which when I look back I'm so thankful because you know it was pretty much the funnest trip of my life so what we ended up doing we ended up um backing him so because Gaz, my dad, is actually in the first band I was in, uh, Younger Dryas, along with my brother um, and my two best friends, uh, Michael Townsend, who I mentioned before, and Isaac Williams, who's also the graphic designer for Vibestown. So, yeah, we, we're just like, you know, best friends that have been hanging out now for 15 years or whatever. And we did Younger Dryas together. Then we did Party in the Paddock together. And, and then our band kind of broke up because we were fighting a bit and whatever else. And then I had the big break from music. And then Gaz was like, you know, what if we do this? And then all of a sudden, because he's been writing songs for like 30 years plus, we're like, well, why don't we form a band around your songs? Why don't you be the lead singer for a change? Cause I was the lead singer in that band. And I'm like, I'm going to play bass and I'm just going to relax, smoke a few doobies and just like play bass and, and enjoy this so we ended up doing that whole cruise ship to hawaii then hawaii to america and then we played a bunch of gigs in la and my dad quite literally looks like crocodile dundee so we were kind of pitching him as like crocodile dundee cross gary clark jr if you don't know who gary clark is he's like a really phenomenal blues guitarist um so we're like here we are in america with um, Crocodile Dundee and we're just kicking around having the funnest time meeting all these eccentric people because people just magnetize towards this you know Rod Stewart-esque Crocodile Dundee character that can play guitar like Jimi Hendrix uh. so we found we found ourselves in all these ridiculous situations and we ended up having like one of the times of our lives and we went right across America and it was it was primarily there I think I started to really like get the vision for this new band even though like the Prairie Dog Conspiracy, which is my dad's band, uh, which was so fun, is is still happening. Kind of, you know, every now and then we'll play a Prairie Dog Conspiracy gig, or yeah. every now and then we'll play we'll play a Younger Dryas gig. But um, you know, this new band kind of stemmed from that quarter life crisis I had, where I kind of handed the reins over to my business partners, and uh, I just kind of left for a year and and went and travelled the world. And it started with America, and then I ended up in Africa with uh, the Care for Africa guys. Um, 
Diana Butler runs this amazing institute uh, that enables people from kind of like the Tasmanian society, like Launceston and Hobart-based people who are nurses and who are builders and entrepreneurs to raise a bunch of money for uh, this beautiful community in Africa. It's in Tanzania. There's this um, village called Taremi. And Diana and her organisation have been helping out those guys for years now and are doing a... Yeah, it's really cool. I I really... um, Yeah, anyone who's listening, if you're interested, have a look because she takes around about, you know, 10 to 20 people each year and they go and, you know, we build a school. Uh, Vibes Town actually built a school. So um, myself and Alec and, and Isaac and a bunch of the crew, Joey, Willie, and, and also a bunch of our um, nurse friends, we all went over together and um, we built a woman's shelter and a school and we also helped like install water wells and things like that. So I went straight from America um, back to Australia for like a month and ended up going to Splendor with my business partner to lock in sticky fingers. And so I was only here for like three weeks and then I went straight over to America uh, sorry, Africa, and I was there for like six weeks, and it was just a massive polarity shift. You know, I went from yeah. like capitalism, America, rich people, you know, pretty yucky stuff, a lot of fun, but like this is pretty gross way to live. To like into rural Taremi, um, living in a hut, working every day with the local guys, you know, yeah, just wow. covered in dirt and dodging mosquitoes and and you know the villagers are running around with machetes just killing chickens in front of you and so it was like massive culture shock um yeah but it was the year I needed Uh, it was really the year I needed to to get inspired again and to remember who I was you know I was still that you know three-year-old who founded harmonica in the toy box and needed to play music so yeah for me I kind of got lost along the path a little bit with party in the paddock and and you know thinking that oh it's I can't do it anymore you know there's other people that are doing music better than me and it took me a, quite a while to um, break that down and to realize that that was just my own self-opposed um, limitations and yeah so that plunge into the African wilderness I started really reconnecting with music and it was funny we had just like a shitty Yui boom over in the corner and we had some random red hot chili peppers album that we played on repeat and there was this bit in the song that every time it happened the local guys would start dancing simultaneously and i'd start dancing as well and we just like have this moment where it felt we're like at a music festival and we're just like woo, shouting and hollering and we just get lost in the music for just yeah, you know so- like it's two minutes and all the other white guys are standing around looking at us being like what the fuck are you guys doing and i was like this is music everybody listen to it it's amazing I just kind of (laughs) reconnected so strong with you know I feel like what I'm here to do and whether whether that's you know like play it or build stages for it to be on or you know promote it or market it or whatever that is it was yeah it was very pivotal you know so from that point in time I was like okay I need to play again and my kind of sole purpose was other than juggling the festivals and still doing that, I was like, I need to create some space for my creativity to come through and I need to be okay with that. And I need to not have an expectation on how successful that is, even though I'm surrounded by successful artists as a job. Um, 
and yeah, so I'm, I'm still in the delicate process of unveiling the project to the world. Um, and I went on this bit of a pilgrimage to one of my favorite places in the world, which is Byron Bay. Um, my dad's been taking me there since I was, you know, like 17 or something. And he pretty much introduced me to Byron Bay. Uh, like, he's like, boy, this is utopia. Check it out. Music, amazing people everywhere, multiculturalism. Like as far as Australia goes, like, you know, this is the mecca of music. So I've been going there like constantly, you know. So what I did, I was like, cool. I'm not, gonna sh- I'm not sure where I'm going to live uh, for the next 12 months. So I was like, on a whim, I'm just like, I'm going to go to Byron. I'm going to find some musicians and I'm going to start a band. And then it happened. Um, very right. synchronistically, I just I ended up, the first house I moved into uh, was with Marcus McCosey who's one third of the band I'm in um, and we hit it off instantly and we started literally writing music um, yeah the day after and one of those songs is going to be released in February and that was oh, in sorry. 2018 yeah so it's been it's been a long journey it's been like three to four years now and um, our other member is literally right behind me in the caravan right now and that's my partner Meg I met Meg in a cafe and we started talking about Jimi Hendrix songs. And then the next thing you know, I invited her to jam. She come and jam. And it was like the magic was there instantaneously. And that was a few months after meeting Marcos. So I pretty much went to Byron, got the team together. And now I'm back in Tassie. Wonderful. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we also, easy, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was very lucky. And also I think, a lot of this is, is about intention, you know, and whether it is starting a music festival or a podcast or, you know, whatever people want to do, if you get clear about your intention and set out on that mission and, and you've got to be pretty stubborn because you're going to get knocked back a bunch of times. But, you know, I really believe in that. I believe um, there's a great quote from Joseph Campbell. Uh, I recite it every now and then. I'll see if I can remember it. But he says, follow your bliss. And the universe will open doors for you where before there are only walls. And I definitely believe in that. Yeah, that's good. I like that one. So tell me a little bit about some of the challenges you've faced along the way. Now, I'm sure there'd be plenty. There always is. But what are some of the challenges you've, like, you've had to overcome and what is it that's helped you overcome them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I kind of touched on it before. But, yeah. you know, life's full of these challenges. and you know there's a lot of gnarly shit that happens to people that is just totally beyond anyone's control you know and I think for me it was the first few years into Party in the Paddock where I kind of realized I was like this stuff is basically out of my control like I'm basically professionally gambling right now you know you can book a lineup and you know I remember I was 200 tickets short I I needed like 2,200 people to come but roughly 2000 people came to the, um, the 2014 one. And yeah, I was like, okay, now I'm $40,000 in debt. 200 tickets equals $40,000. 24 years old. I was like, shit. Okay. That happened really quick. I went from a successful festival to almost like, well, I didn't have any money or any capital. And, you know, right then and there, you know, my, my dad and my uncle was just like, you should probably give this up, man. This is 
doesn't look like you're gonna make money out of this. And I was like, nah, I think we I think we can. And my other business partner, Ali, you know, we were we were dead set. We're just like, we just need to book violent Soho and then we're gonna we're gonna sell out and it's gonna it's gonna work. Um, we didn't actually book Violent Soho, but in 2015 we booked a lineup that was brilliant. It, we had like, you know, beautiful girls, old age, ginger safari, the first time we booked June Rats, and our little festival was of a couple of thousand people all of a sudden exploded out to like five thousand people and it was total mayhem. Um, we're very lucky that no one got hurt and we learned a lot from that, but we had to snip fences and let people into other paddocks. And I remember standing on top of a car at one point looking around and being like, Holy shit, this, this looks like Bowls festival. Like what have I done? I've created a monster. I was so scared. <laughs> um, but that year we, we made like 70 grand profit and we were able to wow. pay ourselves for the first time ever. And yeah, but that all came from like, I, I, I remember I nearly gave up. I had to beg and borrow money off my dad and my uncle. And I felt like, you know, it was pretty much like I was, I wasn't endangering the family, but like if I had a, you know, lost another 70 K or something horrible, which we have done in the future and we managed to sort that out, you know, it could have been a massive issue for my whole family, you know? So there was that thing. You really got to back yourself. Um, hundred percent and but it's got to come from a place of knowing you know I think deep down everybody knows if they're on a winner or not and you know sometimes you might not be on a winner and you might fail but that's okay like how many stories do you hear of you know famous um, millionaires that have gone bankrupt three times before they made it you know there's all that stuff I don't think you have to go bankrupt three times before you make it I think it's it's easier than that I think that's probably just them working out what they actually want to do with their life. And it's a bit of a trial and error thing. I think I'm, I'm probably pretty lucky because I've always known it's been orientated around music. So I was able to kind of lock onto that from a young age, but you know, who knows, I might change my mind and want to become like a philosophy teacher in the next four years. And, and I might suck at that. Like you just don't know, but you've got to try, you know? And I think, you know, there's this, there's this great quote I've seen on I don't know, Instagram or some, something like that, but you know, the story of Icarus, you know, we all know if Icarus flies too close to the sun, he's going to get burnt and he's going to fall down and crash and die. You know, that's the whole proverb of that story, but there's also another side of it that people don't hear. And that, that is, you know, if Icarus, yeah, if he flies too close to the sun, that's a bad idea. But also if he flies too close to the ground, the wind currents won't catch him and he'll actually crash as well. You know, and I feel like today in society, probably, you know, more so a few years back in, you know, different generations, but a lot of people were in their comfort zone and still are and and are a little bit afraid to really put themselves out there and go for what they want to do, you know, and that is Icarus flying too close to the ground. And I personally believe that that's why a lot of people you know, suffer from, I wouldn't say depression, but they, they suffer from a feeling of, you know, they want their life to be better. They want their, their life to be more fulfilling. And then they find themselves looking for that on social media or, or other places, you know, like a lot of our heroes are on, on the screen in front of us at the moment, but I really feel like, you know, it's our job, you know, we've got to become the lead character of the movie of our own 
lives. And, and that's sounds a bit cliche and wanky, but it, I, I really think it's true. You know, it's, it's up to, yeah, it's up to you. You've got to grab a hold of that, that life of yours and, and make it your own. Yeah, no, I agree. I love that. And I love that little quote you shared. That's, I like that about being too close to the ground as well. I love that way of looking at it. So tell me about what ignites your passion for music. Is it the people that you've met and been with throughout it? Is it the moment when you're performing? What is it you go, yeah, this is the stuff for me. And just how, however hard it gets, you go, yeah, I want to get back there again. Yeah, good question. Um, I, I know probably, but <laughs> yeah, well, there's so much, you know, for me now there's an ecosystem, you know, there's, it, it's in all the departments in every single aspect of, you know, the, the first conversation of booking a band to the end product of them being on stage in front of thousands of people. And, you know, that's, that's kind of like the, the scientific analogy of that, but I'm more about the energetics of it all. And I, I really still to this day, like for me, music is as simple as one human connecting with another human, you know, and that the energy that transfers between that interaction, music has this amazing ability where it, it unlocks things. It's like a, a magical key that that doesn't matter where you are. If you, you know, see somebody with an acoustic guitar, they might be busking, they might be, they might just pull it out at your house around the dinner table, or it could be the family piano. You know, there's just that moment where, and I think what it, where it comes from, it's that person, whoever's performing opens up, they open up this, this sacred place from within themselves and they become very vulnerable for a moment. And that vulnerability enables everybody else to stop and open up, up theirs and there's this almost like um, conversation that happens between yeah between the soul of those people and it's invisible but everybody knows it's real everybody can feel that when you go to a music festival and, and yeah this is where I want to give a shout out to um, a local well group of local musicians I actually seen it and it's funny um, I, they played at Party in the Apocalypse. It's funny because you're friends with them and I think you've actually done a podcast with her. But um, yeah, well, world-class cinema was a key example of something that reminded me of why I love music um, at the recent Pitta. You know, they're only a local band. Yep, they're still in college, whatever. I don't care how old they are or, or any of that crap. But what they did, they reminded me why I love music. And, you know, I'm a festival director. I booked them. You know, I've also booked Lime Cordial and Pinyao and whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, that doesn't, fame doesn't mean anything to me anymore when it comes to this stuff because there was something about their performance. They were raw. They were real. You could feel that spark, that energy of them opening up and being super vulnerable, but it working. And them also being tight, you know, they also backed it up with, with charisma and with good musicianship, you know, and I think there's a combination of things there. It's like, it's the hard work pays off. Um, their personalities all coming together to make something. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's when five people or it doesn't matter however many's in the band, when 
that amount of people become the one thing. You know, there is a sense of unity there. And we all know this, but music has the power to change the world. And it, and it has done over and over again. So, yeah, that's why I love music. Yeah, love it. Love that. <laughs> and, yes, podcasts, you know, they're sick as I love them so much. And it's so cool because, like, they're my mates as well. And it's like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny to me. They're actually, I think they were the highlight of my festival. And I really? think... Yeah, because they reminded me of why the hell I do this, you know. Oh, it's so super glad. stressful. It's awesome, especially you know when you're dealing with COVID and you're dealing with the bullshit and everyone has to wear masks and you know festival could get shut down. Oh my god, there's a case. Uh, whatever, you know, get back to the the reality. You know, what are we here for? We're here to see these young inspirational people open up and 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 share that special thing. And um, yeah, the coffee's kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. No, that's all right. So tell me, how do you define success and when will you know you've achieved it or have you already achieved it? It's a really difficult uh, question to answer for most because there's so many aspects, but can you nail that down? I think success comes from a statement to yourself of something that you want to achieve in, in the physical reality. You know, I think um, it's important. We need to have these markers along the way of okay we said we we're going to do that thing we worked really hard we put it we put in the efforts there was some failures but overall it was a success you know and it's always a success if you've gone through that process and me myself like I'm always redefining that success you know I look at you know I'm going to point out a book that I'd, I would gift um, if I could gift a book to anybody, generally speaking, I've, I've given them The Alchemist, you know, and for me, that book is all about, you know, reminding people that their dreams are really important. And if they don't go ahead and pursue their dreams, then, you know, they're probably going to have that feeling of letdown for the majority of their life. So real success for me is about being brave enough to have a crack at those things and you know yeah sure like you don't have to take over the world with what you're doing but you know if you always wanted to say play the guitar you know it doesn't like I know people that are 50 or 60 and they they wanted to play the guitar they never did so they're getting guitar lessons now and for me that's that's success it's holding on to those things that you've you've always wanted to do said that you're going to do and then finding a way to achieve it and it doesn't have to be you know I guess what I'm saying as well don't define your success on other people's or you know um you don't measure yourself against other people's success you know I believe we have an internal knowing of what that thing is yeah yeah totally that's awesome so you've given lots of wicked advice in this little chat already so much good advice but tell me if you can nail it down what advice can you give people who want to pursue that passion whether they're too scared or they they just don't know how what's your advice be brave be very brave because yeah you've got to believe in yourself you know if you don't believe in yourself no one else will and as ocean alley say it's all about confidence baby it really is, you know, and you've got to find that confidence from somewhere and take little steps, you know, but 
realistically, you know, I've said this a few times this podcast, but it's your life, you know. Um, one of my mantras from the whole party in the paddock experience was um, I wanted to play on music festival stages, found it really hard, ended up playing on Falls and Splendor and ended up getting there, but I had to build my own stage first. And that, that ethos of building your own momentum um, through that. Yeah, start, we- from the, start from the beginning and have the bravery and the determination to stick it out and you'll get there. Wicked. I love it so much. I think that wraps us up for today. Thank you so, so much for jumping on the podcast. I'm so grateful. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Millie. It's, it's been a, a real treat and I love what you do. You know, I love your passion and. Um, thank you. I love yeah, yours. I'm going, I'm, coffee or no it. coffee. <laughs> yeah. And everybody get ready for holiday. That's the new project. It's coming out really soon. And um, yeah, get ready for Peter part two as well. I'm going to be right here doing my job, making sure that we've got fun shit to do. But um, yeah, thanks so much for having me, Millie. Thank you so much, Jesse, for having a yarn with me. Get around it and support Holiday and Party in the Apocalypse Part 2. Cheers, guys.